Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry May. What is up, Jerry? Uh, not much, Pat. How you doing? I am doing great this week, man. We had a, a great tournament this weekend. I uh, had a good time. How's your How's your weekend, Jerry? Ah, wonderful. I mean, every long weekend is a good weekend. I think oh, we should that's make right. it permanent. That's How right. You- I forgot you work in the uh, the private sector there, and you get the... Uh, <laughs> You had the day oh, off. Did you have to work? Did you have to work today, Pat? I did have to work today. Oh, I did have I'm to work sorry. today. Uh, it's all right. There's no days off for people like me. <laughs> Back into the coal mine with you. Yeah, I mean, I must have done something bad in a past life because I feel like I'm being punished every day in my life now. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better, I played Magic Online leagues all day. It does not make me feel better, but thank you oh, for trying. Okay. I tried. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, as always, we want to first uh, shout out hipstersofthecoast.com for bringing you guys Leaving a Legacy every week, every Friday to your ears. Uh, you can check them out for a ton of awesome legacy content and more. Uh, hipstersofthecoast.com. Also, you can find us on the Top Deck app as well and also on MTG Cast, on iTunes, all those places you can find the podcast. Also, if you want to support the show directly, you can visit patreon.com slash Leaving a legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. Uh, we have awesome rewards, stickers, shout outs, play mats, and more. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. Oh, also, our Discord channel. I always forget to talk about the Discord channel, but we do have the Discord channel as well that when you're a, patr- a patron, you get access to the Discord channel. And there's a lot of fun chat that goes on in there. We talk about decks and what we want to stream next. And those people get a lot of uh, physicists a lot of versus influence. linguists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. People, those people get a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, influence on what we play in the. Uh, in the Living Legacy stream. So, uh, so yeah, so sure. Check it out. And again, link is in the show notes. So, Jerry, this week we had our, our Legacy 1K gaming, etc. We did, though. Uh, just like last time, ended up uh, being more of a 2.3K. Yeah, uh, there was, uh, what, 95 players at the event. It was a yeah. really great turnout. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. During uh, the opening meeting of the tournament, uh, the judge came up and goes, hey, I'm really glad to see all of you. Uh, we're going to have a great tournament. We're going to have seven rounds of Swiss, followed by a split in top eight. Right, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. The, the, both the judges, uh, they had, uh, I, I know I've seen the older guy around. I, I can't remember his name, but he's super nice. He was really, really great in the tournament. And then he had a younger judge who was helping him him as well and she was really nice um yeah it was a it was a great run tournament man i mean it felt like the rounds turned over really well you know nothing like even when games went to turns which happened every round there wasn't anything getting really dragged out there weren't any lengthy judge calls so yeah i mean um, it, even though it was seven rounds of swiss i felt like we got out of there at a reasonable time yeah it started at 12 and we got out of there at like seven thirty. Uh, yeah like you can't seven beat that right? swiss so that that yeah. was great yeah, it was um, awesome. Yeah, really tightly uh, run, uh, really quick turnover. And also, uh, like one of the things I love about those about Michelle and like the, and, and the crew over there is that like when the turnout is great, they up the prize support and like the ca- prizes pay out in cash. All the cash, all like the the dollar amount prizes pay out in cash, which is great. Um, and then they prize down to like top thirty two. So like you, like with a decent record, you can win just a, a couple packs of whatever. It turned out yeah. to be really fun. 
Yeah, I think it was like it ended up being two grand in cash and then like three hundred in uh, worth of product. Uh, yeah, you, I know you were doing 32. the you were doing the you're doing your math on there, so I, I couldn't really keep track of it. But yeah, I mean, again, it was it was really cool to see the prizes pay down that far. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was an awesome tournament. Jared, you want to kind of run over uh, how your tournament went? Uh, yeah, mine was a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> so you played your, your bug deck, right? Your bug Delver deck? Yeah, so I was playing the bug Delver list uh, that we talked about last week. Um, so right off the bat, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, round one, I played against Infect, and uh, we trade matches, uh, games one and two, just back and forth. And then in game three, I mold to four. And the four I just ended up keeping were Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize, Engineered Explosives, Engineered Explosives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did not go well. I top decked a Tropical Island, which he promptly wastelanded and then berserked me in the face. Hmm. So <laughs> mulling to four in the the game, deciding match uh, game is kind of a disappointing way to start the tournament. And then uh, round two, I go up against a Lurin, which is mm. apparently a brutal matchup for me. Um, <laughs> they didn't even combo me out uh, once. They beat me in like two quick games. Well, not quick time-wise, but um, just absolutely steamrolled me just because I couldn't keep up with their value. Um, really? Like in game two, I Toxic Deluged killed four of his creatures, and I kept a Gurmag Angler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, all right, I'm back in this. I can win this. And then he goes, uh, Baleful Strix, Cavern Harpy, Baleful Strix, Shardless Agent into a Baleful Strix. It's <laughs> just like, oh, right back where we started. <laughs> so I just could not get through his value. Um, you know, all the abrupt decays, collective brutalities, fatal pushes, they just couldn't keep up. And uh, he was able to deal with uh, my creatures and just grind me into oblivion. Yep. Um, game three, I actually played against a friend, uh, Justin Colbert, uh, Colbert. He was on, uh, Miracles, and they, they were actually really fun, interactive games. The, the bug control-ish style matched up against Miracles, really gets some, uh, awesome, uh, interactions, and it actually came down to, I was thought-scouring him because milling him out was a legitimate win condition. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just because the games went. Oh, I so caught the long. end of that game. That was funny. Yeah, it was, they were just going so long. We were just trading resources really effectively. Uh, you know, fighting over lines, and you know, miracles just does what miracles do- does, and uh, really ground grounded out. So we ended up going one 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 with a draw. Um, mm-hmm. weren't able to finish the matches. Um. So right now I'm starting my tournament, uh, two losses and a draw. So I've pretty much already writ- written off this tournament. Um, I know I'm pr- not prizing with this uh, this record already. Um, <laughs> so next game I go into, I sit down across, and I'm playing Enchantress. <laughs> <laughs> not Curtis, though. Not our friend not, Curtis on Enchantress. Yeah, not Curtis. Uh, I didn't write the guy's name down, but... Um, also, really long matches, trading back and forth, and I punted so hard in this match, Pat. Oh. <laughs> um, I actually give uh, da- our friend, my friends uh, Dan and Brent were uh, watching the match at this point, because this is uh, game two. Um, I had won game one in a long match. Game two was equally long. And, like, super complicated board position. My opponent had probably, like, 10, 15 enchantments in play. Um, cast uh, Elephant Grass earlier in the game, and my side of the board is like three Deathrite Shamans, two Delver of Secrets, and a Gurmag Angler. Um, mm-hmm. 
but he has a humility in play. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so they're yes. all one ones. <clears throat> and so we're trading back and forth and I'm uh, I'm getting in with my Delver of Secrets because they're blue still. So they I have to pay two mana for each one each one that attacks. Um, in order to get under Elephant Grass. Deathrite mm-hmm. Shaman and Gurmag Angler can't attack at all because they're black. Uh, and Elephant Grass stops uh, black creatures from attacking permanently. Um, and he had a couple of angel token, uh, 1-1 angel tokens in play because he had uh, Sigil of the Empty Throne. Um, and we got to it, we traded to the point where he was at two life. Uh, and uh, he only had two angel uh, tokens for blocking. And mm-hmm. he passed it back to me, and I like draw my card. I'm like, well, like I'm not going to trade with my Delvers right now. I, I should keep them, see if I can draw some removal, so I can actually get in there. So I just keep passing and passing and passing, and then like finally, um, I get uh, a removal spell, um, and I go to like remove uh, one of his angel tokens, and I go and I'm like, okay, uh, pay pay two for Delver, pay two for Delver, and he just goes, why are you paying two? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I don't have elephant grass. That that hasn't been on the board in turns. <laughs> so I've been literally just like passing with lethal up <laughs> for like the last like three turns. <laughs> and like yeah. at this point, Dan and Brett just bend over cackling next to the table <laughs> laughing so hard because they thought I was like being a sadist or something and just like slow rolling this guy so bad. <laughs> Um, but at this point, it was a punt because at this point he had gotten enough angel tokens with his uh, sigil of the empty throne that he had enough blockers, and I ended up losing that game. I think I just scooped it up because there wasn't a possible way for me to win anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in game three, uh, we had five minutes left going into game three. Uh, mm-hmm. I got like a Gurmag and a True Name Nemesis in play, and on like turn five, I I was going uh, I dealt eight uh, got him to eight life. Uh, he passed, and then it was his turn, and he didn't do anything. Passed back, um, so he offered he offered to just give me the win, uh, but I figure you know it, didn't, it doesn't even matter because yeah. I, I thought I was already out, so I just took another draw. Uh, but it, it was nice of him to just offer to scoop to me. Um, so <laughs> after that, um, I played against a, another infect matchup, and I was able to take that one down two zero. Um, I saw that I, game. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just like I got uh, I got quick Delver of Secrets, like turn one Delver, and then I would just have like Collective Brutality, uh, Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay, Wasteland for the Ink Moth Nexus. Um, so I just kind of got uh, really good hands both games, mm-hmm. and you know, as long as if if the deck draws the appropriate you know mixed ratio of spells, the Infect is a, is a easy matchup. Yeah. Um, after that, I played against uh, Reanimator, and uh, that one also is pretty easy. Just with uh, the just all the kind of discard counter magic plus a quick clock, and then out of my out of my board comes three surgical extractions. Um, so I was able to take that down pretty quick, and then I forget what my last match of the day was. I didn't write it down. Um, but I ended up winning that one too. So I started off the day, uh, Oh, two, two, and ended up finishing three, two, two. Uh, and I'm kind of disappointed because I realized afterwards when, uh, the prize pool was doubled, uh, mm-hmm. that if I had taken that win off of the enchantress, I still would have been live for prizes. Oh, really? 
Yeah. If I had gone, if I had gone uh, four two one instead of three two two. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, did did some like thirteen pointers make it in? I think so. Okay. Because you prized with what four two or f- I prized with five two. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like twenty first, so there was still quite a few spots behind me. Yeah, that exactly. you might have been able to get into. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so my my tournament went a little bit better than that, but I had a rough few first rounds. So like, uh, first round I played against Zach. He was actually down from Maine, and he was playing blue white standstill. But I didn't know he was playing blue white standstill until game two because game one he just like I saw like terminus and mentor. I'm like, oh, this is just this is just a regular uh, miracles deck. And uh, game one, like, I land a Swift Spear, and I'm able to protect it, but draw no creatures for, like, the rest of the game, and just tons and tons of land. Like, I think I literally had probably eight eight land. Like, I had drawn, like, eight, like naturally eight lands out of my deck that has 16, so it was a little bit rough. Um, and that's including, like, after fetching and whatnot. So, um, so game two... Um, was just like a, a just a, like a double Swiss spear and like a Delver draw and just got to him. Um, and then game, th- I think I lost in game three. I actually made a pretty poor trade against one of his factories, um, where I attacked with like my only Swiss spear, like really my only creature at that time. And I I forgot that you can, and I should know this, but I know the the the, the factory is a two two, but you can block and then tap it to pump itself. And I just totally forgot that interaction. And he killed my my uh, Swiss spear and then was able to to kill me. Uh, with a couple factories. Um, so I lost that in three games in the first round. And then I played Food Chain in round two against uh, Nick Pinn, who's actually uh, listens to the cast and is on the Facebook page. A super nice guy. Um, he was on Food Chain, and we actually had three really, really close games. Like, games where I lost, I had him down to, like, one life. I won game one um, on the back of just a, a, a pretty fast draw. Um, and I was playing Blue Red Delver, for those who don't know. Um I was considering playing Sneak a Show for this event, but I just didn't. I was still missing a handful of cards and wanted to go with something that was more comfortable. Um, but anyway, so game one I take down. Game two goes like super, super long. Um, he ended up beating me, I think, with uh, like a, a few missed Hollow Griffins and uh, the Eternal Scourge. And then game three I went very similarly. Um, uh, where I couldn't really get much on board, and he was able to edict like my only creature, which I asked him after the game, like you know him keeping edict in if that's something that he normally does, because it seems like with Blue Red Delver maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I run so many creatures, but because I guess Food Chain is pretty light on removal, so they'll bring in whatever removal they have to deal with like the creature decks. So now I'm like O2, and I'm kind of like kind of bummed, but I mean it's still fine. Like I'm still gonna play out the day, but. I figure, obviously, I'm not going to top eight starting out 0-2. Even at X and 2, you're not going to make top eight. But keep playing. Round three, I play against, I think his name was Ben. And he was on Infect. Um, we had, again, three really, really close games. Almost, almost all my rounds went, went three games, which is not something that I usually happens with Blue Red Delver. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I lost game one. Again, just like a... He had a uh, uh, an Inkmoth Nexus that I wasn't able to kill in time, and he was just able to get me uh, with, with that and a single Invigorate. Um, and then games two and three, I think were like I I like probed him in game two, and he had like Invigorate Vines, um, uh, and uh, what's the other pump spell berserk. So he had like invigorate vines, berserk, berserk. So I knew like that game was just about keeping his threats off the board, which I was able to do. And then, uh, game three was, was pretty similar where it was just 
uh, he couldn't draw any threats and, I, and anything that he drew, I was able to, to keep off the board. So um, went into round four against this kid, Patrick, and he was on, he was on Grixis. And so like the first game, all I see are, are Delvers um, and, he, and Gurmag Anglers. And he beats me uh, again, super, super close games. Like I'm at one when he kills me or he's at three when he kills me. Um, and so Going into game two, we were kind of like chatting between rounds and he was telling me about some of his matchups earlier in the day. And he had mentioned – because I'm not sure if he's playing Grixis uh, without Young Pyromancer because I've seen some builds out there. But he had mentioned that he killed someone with tokens. I'm like, all right. So like I bring in my my one of um, – uh, is it Staticaster because that's like my, uh, pretty good <laughs> against a token plan. And uh, um, uh, I was, well, that was in game three rather and th- – I win game two just like on a really fast draw. I'm able to keep him off, keep him off creatures. Game three, I I drew the static caster, and he was on like double pyromancer and like five tokens, and I have like a couple of swift spears and a delver. He has like a delver. He he had a delver and uh, like four or five tokens and then two pyromancers, and like just being able to draw the static caster and just and flash in and kill his tokens and then able to pick off the last of his two threats got me there. It was, there were really, really tight games, um, in, uh, in that round. That was, that was a good, uh, Grixis can be a really tough matchup. Um, uh, but when he had mentioned that he had the token strategy, um, bringing that sideboard card and ended up, ended up winning me the, the final game. So, um, but again, we were in the, the, like the X and two bracket. So it wasn't like we were playing for big stakes. So, you know what I mean? It's pretty, Pretty relaxed there. Um, and then in round uh, five, so I'm like, what? I'm what, three, two now? Um, I think this is round five. I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, because that was round four. So round five, I'm two and two. Um, play Black Red Reanimator against Josh. Um, and uh, those were like two like scary games. Like Black Red Reanimator, <laughs> Reanimator is like, it's a scary deck to play against. So like... Game one, I'm trying to remember how it went. Um, I had, like, some threats on board, and uh, he ends up when – I, I know when I probe him, he has, like, Unmask, Grizzlebrand, Reanimate, Reanimate, Ritual, Faithless Looting, and, like, a and like a Fetch Land, a Vernon Catacombs, whatever. Um, so I'm just, like, attacking, and I'm just, like, waiting for him to, like, cast his reanimation spell, which he did, and he went to uh, to five – but um, on my turn, I like top decked my vapor snag, or I, I can't remember if I top decked it or pondered into it. But I have like the one of vapor snag in my main, so I was able to vapor snag his grizzle brand back to his hand oh, and cheese uh, and kill the him. Cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I was expecting, I mean, not expecting, but like I wouldn't be surprised if someone was like, uh, "Can we do like a deck check?" Because that's not something that you would normally <laughs> see. But like I just love, like I know that like the merit lage decks are out there. I know the reanimator decks are out there. And I just love to have like one ofs in my deck to, to that'll, that'll get me out of that tight spot. And that one definitely did it. Um, and then in game two, like I brought in my surgicals and this was a tournament, by the way, which I'm like, Oh, you know, I haven't been seeing a lot of like reanimation strategies around lately. So I cut my one of, um, uh, uh, digger's cage that I always have on my sideboard. Um, yes. yeah, always, always, yeah. always happens. <laughs> But uh, but I so I cut that. But I did have the two surgicals, um, and I definitely made a misplay in this game. Even though I ended up winning, um, I surgicaled his animate dead out of his graveyard, or not not animate dead, reanimate out of his graveyard, and like it's always just better to surgical the creatures. But for some reason, I was just like in my mind, I'm like I just I'm just gonna surge like the first uh, reanimation spell that hits his graveyard. I'm just gonna surgical it just so I can get it out of there. But like. 
it just makes a lot more sense to to wait for them to either target a creature or or you know whatever. There's, it just makes a lot more sense to wait on that card, and I just I just didn't. Um, but I was still able to win that game. Um, but that was a that was a, a mistake that could have cost me had he drawn what he needed because it got to the point where. Like he's top decking and just like waiting to find a land, and he like just bricks, 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 and I'm sitting there attacking for like four, attack for four, attack for four, um, and I'm just waiting for him to to draw it. You know what I mean? So it was pretty, it was pretty good. We're both just like, just like sliding off the top deck of our card and like leave it on the table and then like taking a peek at it, and it was intense. It was really fun though. Um, and then uh, round six, I play against Arnold, and uh, so now I'm now I'm f- uh, three and two. Playing against Arnold, or no, um, four two now, yeah, four and two, right? Whatever, yeah. it's round six. Uh, no, some some three and two rather, three and two, round six. Playing against Arnold, and he's on blue red Delver. Um, so game one, he goes like I I, I lead off with like a Swiss Bear attack, and he leads off with um uh he goes like basic mountain, and then plays uh what's the one a uh, Grim Lava Mancer. Plays like basic mountain grim lava mancer, and I just automatically assume he's on burn. So like I I pay a blue to probe him on turn two, and he's got like misty bolt, price of progress bolt, ponder tarn. So I'm like, all right, well he, now he's on blue red delver, but I haven't seen blue red delver run lava mancers in a while, so I was kind of like taken aback by that. I just assumed he was on burn at that point. So anyway, um, I take game one. Uh, it was. Pretty one-sided. I think I, he just wasn't able to draw much in that game. Uh, game two, he beat me. Again, like, he had, like, a Vapor Snag in hand. He had, uh, like, a couple Storm Chaser Mages when I probed him. And he was just able to run me over. I wasn't able to develop much of a threat in that game. And then game three uh, was, like, just one of those games where um, I'm able to resolve a threat. He can't resolve a threat or he can't keep his threats on board. And the last turn, I, like, go, like, three or four cantrips into a lethal attack. Um, so those were really tight games. They were really good. Um, we kind of talked about the Blue-Red Delver uh, just, like, in general. Um, we were talking about Young Pyromancer or whatnot, which is something that people on the Facebook page asked me about, which I'm going to make a post on this evening, most likely, and go into that deeper because people wanted to see my sideboarding guide and my sideboard. So I'll have that all up on the page today if you guys want to check that out. Um, and then my last round. So now I'm 4-2. and two. And I'm sitting at, like, 30th place, um, according to the rankings. And so I'm playing against Arnold. And he's at, like, 29th. And I know that it pays out to top 32. And I, we weren't sure, like, if there was enough room for us to draw in a top 32. Like, we're not going to – no matter what happens, like, we're not going to top 16. But drawing in, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to get top 32 or not. I'm like, you know what? Like, splitting is for, for suckers anyway. Let's just play it out, right? <laughs> So he was like, he was like, all right, I guess, we'll, I guess, we'll, I don't think he was really thrilled that we played it out, but it ended up working out just fine anyway for both of us. I beat him in two games, like pretty, two pretty quick games. He was on Shardless Bug. Um, but it like, worked out for both of us in that I made top well, 32 well, and no, I didn't no. have to care how he, he felt. All, I mean, I, I, so I made, I, I beat him in two games, um, pretty, pretty handily. Uh, it was just, you ever just have those games where like, even though you're playing against a, a deck that's like, you know, is going to grind value, like, I was never worried about him like resolving like an inse- like his ancestral vision he played on turn one because I knew like no matter what three cards he draws on turn four or five or whatever like he's gonna be dead the next turn anyway, um and that that first game worked out that way and the second game, um he didn't draw any like big creatures like he had a few Strixes that got on value a couple Shardless that got on value but. Um, I mean, when people pay like three mana for a two, two, that doesn't do anything other than like resolve 
like a um, a thought season or whatever. It it really does doesn't doesn't affect Blue Red Delver too much. Um, so I beat him in two games there, um, which was ended up being good for twenty first place. So I got like three packs of Iconic Masters, and and I ended up checking in with Andrew afterwards because I did kind of feel bad, like. You know, I understand like players like to draw in to make sure they can get prizes, but just the fact that like I sort of wanted to play the highest stakes magic we can that day. Um, he ended up getting like thirty first place, so he's still prized, which was which was good to see because he was super nice. Um, so yeah, the uh, the tournament was really good. Um, I felt like, man, Jerry, I like can't get off Blue Red Delver, man. It's so bad. I built so many other decks, like like at least like at least like half a dozen other real legacy decks, and I just can't get away. From Blue Red Delver, I just I just love it so much, man. <laughs> hey, you you found your calling, man. I know, I know. Um, so so yeah, so uh, the tournament was super fun. Um, I felt like, man, I really feel like Blue Red Delver. Like I could definitely top eight that tournament with it, but starting out zero and two just made that n- near impossible, um, if not completely impossible. But uh, but yeah, so it was it was super fun. I was happy to to go five and two. It felt really good to like. Start out o two and then just rattle off five wins in a row. You know what I mean? Like that's that, true. Yeah, that was a pretty good feeling. So um, yeah, clawing your way back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it, maybe it's lucky you didn't uh, win those early rounds, Pat, because otherwise you may have been paired up against our guest tonight. And yeah, I'm pretty I don't sure think his. <laughs> Pretty sure his deck crushes yours. <laughs> uh, possibly, I don't think we've sandbagged a guest as long as as like we're like almost thirty minutes into the cast and we have not introduced our guest yet. <laughs> He's been Jerry waiting Mark. in the wings. I, I, I am a wings. patient, patient man, but uh, I have something to say about the blue red Delver matchup. It's a, uh, it's 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 interesting for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Jerry. Why, yeah, yeah. Introduce our guest, Jerry. Tell tell uh, him who they who he is. <laughs> Yeah, joining us tonight, uh, our friends, uh, much requested on uh, Twitter and the Facebook page. So if there's content you guys want, let us know and we'll get it for you. Uh, Bera is on the cast tonight with his awesome red white prison list. And uh, hey, Bera, dudes. you were also at the 1K with us. Yeah, I was at the 1K doing, with you guys. But before we go, before we go into that, just like how on earth was there this grassroots thing to like get me on the cast because i really don't know how i mean i i play a lot of legacy tournaments and i'm generally not an awful human so is that how it happened or do you guys like <laughs> randomly mention it in the cast or two or it's it's the fact that you're weaponizing plateau the <laughs> off maligned dual land uh, people just don't even believe it's possible. You know, they they want proof. <laughs> put, put the rumors to bed. Well, the the, the pre- I I will say that plateau is real. Um, it is it is get whether it's it's good. Whether plateau can truly be great would depend on uh I think a better player picking it up. Uh, but I uh, I've been playing with plateaus since gosh it's t- since 2013 and. I will say that uh, they have done me some service. I've gotten, you know, I've uh, won a three, I've won a six round, thirty two person tournament to get some buy to to get some buys for Eternal Weekend, which I sadly wasn't able to make that, but it also included plane money. So I then went out and uh, hung out with my best friend in Los Angeles. So that that worked out pretty fine. Uh, and you know, I've done like minor caches, and at this recent tournament. Uh, I ended up starting three zero, and then unfortunately finished four and three. But uh, the good thing was two of my losses, at, who weren't named Aaron Gazinga, top aided. So I ended up uh, still <laughs> getting twenty fourth in prize, uh, which was not bad. 
But do you want me to go into the tournament or the deck or what? It yeah. Let's talk about the let's talk about the deck first, just because I think most people would have no idea what a red white uh, prison deck would look like. Yeah. No, um, for sure. So and, yeah. Let's go down your list. Yeah, and I mean I, this is something I have been working with and tweaking for a long time. So there's were there are different versions of it, and uh, but uh, yeah, just but the real start and the core of it is. Uh, is the is the red prison package, which is your four blood moon, four magus of the moon, and four chalice of the void. These are, in terms of prison cards, in my opinion, outside of stuff like stasis, which you know I love the idea of stasis and the theory of stasis, but outside of stasis and another card that is in the sideboard, these are the really only actual pure playable like main deck prison cards in the uh, in legacy, in my opinion. Because Trinisphere, mm. so you think? What's that? So you think things like uh, Smokestack and like you were gonna say Trinisphere don't really have a place anymore? So let me. Well, I'll, I'll rewind that. Smokestack, Tangle Wire. Like if you were able, if if you're able to warp your deck around that, so I'll put that in the same category as like uh, let's say uh, as Stasis. If you can warp your deck around playing Smokestack and Tangle Wire, like the. There's that amazing mud list where it only wins with like beats from uh, from the metal worker and such, and the opponent scoops. Uh, then yes, definitely those things can work. Uh, but Trinit, uh, but those things don't. Those are things that you can't just put into multiple shells. Uh, like for instance, Chalice of the Void. Uh, uh, Ch- Chalice of the Void is something you could put into Merfolk, you could put into Red Stompy, you could put it into Geddon Stacks. I mean, my buddy Matt Kiefer and I, we pretty much like. Kiefer brews 10,000 decks, and they all feature Chalice because Chalice is absolutely amazing. Uh, and it's amazing because Chalice has the ability to actually lock people out of the game. Uh, Trinisphere does not. And people, and I used to play with Trinisphere, first in the main and then in the side. And then I pretty much just, like, you know, discarded using them. And if I played Mono Red, I would probably play some number of them but only because there really aren't better cards with it. And I guess the main reason why I'm down on Trinisphere as a lock piece is that it doesn't actually lock. It's a delay piece. And if you're playing against something like Delver, yes, it gives you a few turns to put up an insurmountable advantage. But once they get three land, they can still start they can start to abrupt decay stuff. They can start casting their threats. It doesn't stop any of it doesn't stop Delve cards worth of worth of beans. I mean it stops you from fueling the delve, the delve in the yard, but eventually they will just make. Uh, eventually they will just make their your land drop. So you need transfer needs to be paired with killing particularly fast, and that's not necessarily something that even mud will what mud will do fast enough to make Trinisphere worth it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I can see that. You know, it's more delaying the inevitable than an answer in itself. Yes. Um, so anyways, that's a long way of saying that uh, the core prison package that I use are answers and that Chalice and especially Moon Effects can just, like, end the game. They can make it so you can literally win by beating down with Grey Ogre, which then comes down to my absolute favorite card in the deck, bar none, Source of Many Great Memories, which is Simeon Spirit Guide, which I love that card. <laughs> <laughs> I, and actually, we'll, we'll get to the Facebook que- but, uh, well, Facebook question later, but one was the thing which someone was asking, you know, what would make your deck Tier 1, and uh, aside from it already being Tier 1, you know, like, what would make it, like, so <laughs> I could do, I could do well with it as opposed to, you know, like, if, as opposed to Noah Walker doing well with it. 
would be actually if I could play, if they printed Angelic Spirit Guide. If I could play a white Spirit Guide, uh, I would just, it would just kick everything up a notch. Because Simeon Spirit Guide is both a threat in the late game and a genuine threat with, uh, with, uh, with the equipment package I run, but also it allows for your explosive starts. It's exactly what, it, it goes to the two parts of this deck, which are being able to start explosively like a Red Prison deck, but then grind and have value and have sideboard considerations, which which what white allows you to do. So you have that, and then you also have Chromox for explosivity, which is the weakest card in the deck, but also given both mana-based considerations and considerations for explosivity, you need to run them. I run four. You could possibly... I've seen someone who is playing around with Moto where he ran three and a Lotus Petal, which could be interesting, or you could go down to three, but at the moment I'm not necessarily comfortable not leaving with the full ability to explode out. Um, so I, so ideally you'd love those Chrome Boxes to be Angelic Spirit Guide. The, yes. The White Spirit Guide. Yes, I would love for the Chrome uh, Box to be Angelic Spirit Guide. Hands down. Good, I mean, good news is if they ever do print another Spirit Guide, which I don't know if they will, uh, if they do, I would say white is the most likely because they have to know a blue or black Spirit Guide would just be the most busted thing ever. Oh, no, they, they, the, uh, the good news is white is the safe color for them to put a Spirit Guide into effect into play, which Spirit Guide effects are actually fairly, I mean, okay, maybe Simeon Spirit Guide isn't necessarily fair and modern, but... I think a white spirit guide would actually be pretty darn fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it would definitely boost Stoneforge uh, ability. Imagine things like Death and Taxes or Maverick just playing a turn one Stoneforge. Oh, and that's what this deck is a big specialty of it, which is there's four Stoneforge Mystic, which is the initial reason why I started playing with it was I I started... Ma- the origin story of this deck is I was... I top aided with black green zombies. Are uh, actually made the top four of a uh, of uh, SCG Providence and in 2012. And so I needed to when the Invitational was good and I could actually play Legacy there. Uh, I had to have a Legacy deck. So I was considering, you know, I was a modern burn person, so I was considering putting together the burn deck. Uh, but then I saw this thread about werewolf stomping. I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I told my friend Oliver Higgins, is like, that's terrible, and. <laughs> don't do that and then uh, i remember werewolf stompy <laughs> i mean i think there's i had a weird watch keep is still a legit threat uh if i was playing red stompy i'd either play that or the garrison is a supplement to our friend and master goblin rabble master uh but uh, was that <laughs> sorry you're saying I, I played i actually at a uh, GP Louisville, I actually played against uh, Werewolf Stompy, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a surprise! <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while." <laughs> it's, werewolves they, they do the damage, um, but it's it's mainly Watchkeep that I think works. It's like it's the thing about yeah. Stompy threats is is that for you know, if you're playing red, is it's like the key no, the the key mana cost is two colorless and a red because that means you can power it out turn one. Uh, if you can't do that, then it's it becomes it becomes less practicable, uh, but yeah. So I saw that Plateau was really cheap, and then I was like, "Wait a second! I also have these Stoneforge Mystics that I really want to play." And then I was like, "Wait a second! What if I put Stoneforge Mystic into a red deck, uh, in, into a Moon deck?" And I talked to my buddy Oliver Higgins, and he's like, "That's not a bad idea." 
And I talked to Smiley, Thomas Smiley. He's like, that's not the necessarily worst idea. Right? Maybe it wasn't Smiley. <laughs> Anyways, it's, uh, it's, uh, I talked to a number of people who are not the worst at Legacy, and they're like, not the worst in principle. So then I made it up, and uh, the one thing that I will credit in all the iterations is that the mana base has been pretty <laughs> rock solid. It used to be 23 lands with 8 fetches. I found out I could shave down to an addition to what one fetch to twenty two lands, which it's one of the ways is that it is about four more lands than your typical red stompy deck, uh, which is which is a drawback. But I tend to like both like the power of that and also the fact that you know you don't if you also have a lot of mana to to actually you have a lot of uses for uh, uses for your mana. So I play Stoneforge Mystic and then I play five equipment, which is two batter skull. Uh, which it might sound silly, but the Batter Skull is very hard castable because I play the full sets of Ancient Tombs and City of Traders, four plane, three plateau, and seven fetches. And so, and well, when you factor in the Severic Guides and the Mox, is just like hard casting Batter Skull on turn three is pretty standard. And I turn one to Batter Skull before um, I will, uh, and it's just like. It's a ridiculous. Batter Skull is a ridiculous card. It gives you card advantage. It's nuts. And then with the other things, Gta is a. It's a lock in and of itself against like elves, and uh, elves and other in other creature decks. Fire and also it's a good monica. It's the six mana cost allows once you're up to six mana to just basically fetch it out with Stoneforge, play it down, equip. Seven is the golden thing, though, because that you can then do that with a sort of fire and ice, and which is amazing. And then you have sort of light and shadow, which is a concession to the death and taxes matchup, because I cannot beat a uh, mother of runes that taps unless I have a way to get around it. So I put that in as my is my concession thing in the in the main deck. Uh, and what may so that's the that's the Stoneforge package. And then, then the explosive threats that I've been playing with, like in the latest version of it, what are Goblin Rabble Master, which has been a house. It took a while for me to figure out how to fit it in, but I love it. It basically means so there are now hardly any games where I am cut off of white and can't win the game. Most of the time, the mana base is good, but beforehand, I was like having Thalia's in that slot, and it just there and. I just didn't oftentimes have like that big ending punch, and Rebel Master is just like, yeah, you put it down. I mean, I've tur- I've beaten Dredge on the play with no interaction with two two Rebel Masters. I just did turn one Rebel Master, turn two Rebel Master, and I killed him before he could kill me. You're not supposed to race race Dredge, but Goblin Rebel Master can do that. Uh, and then the last thing is Nahiri, which is amazing, and that is it. I originally put her in when Top was around in Miracles, and I couldn't actually beat Miracles, and someone suggested that to me, and they're like, hey, why don't you just run to here? And it's like, huh. So I played it around. I used to have an Enlightened Tutor package in the main, so I then switched into the sideboard, and then I originally was playing three Nahiri. When I won the tournament, it was with three, and then I bopped it up to four, because she's just absolutely stupid. Well, no, I had three in the main, one on the side, but then I was just like, I need to put the four here in the main, so I cut the land. And Nahiri, with the spirit guides, can easily come out turn two. I have turn one, Nahiri. Uh, and turn three is like walking in the park. And Nahiri is just like this threat that 
is she? I love Nikki. Oh, Lee. she's beautiful. She's be- I, I, I know. I, and- I, Jerry, Jerry's Achilles heel when it comes to deck building. I splashed Cards white like into. <laughs> I splashed white into Sneak and Show just because I wanted to run Nahiri so, so bad. <laughs> it was, well, but it was Nahiri. You also had Mentor out of the sideboard in that, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, Mentor yeah. on the side. Yeah, that, that deck goes. That deck goes all over the place. So being a plateau mage is not a great thing to brag. A good plateau mage is not the greatest thing to be able to be able to brag about. And similarly, maybe the the best Nahiri shell is not the greatest thing to bag up. But I would I would posit that this is the is one of the best Nahiri shells you because you get you get to run four of them, you get to get them out early, and she's just this miracles can't beat it. And now that once miracles no longer had top, uh, my equipment suddenly started being reasonable against them because they didn't have a way to just combo out. So monk token monk if you could combo out with the top previously and Monastery Mentor, then they just laughed in the face of Batter Skull. Now, they can't really pump up the... Mo- it's not easy for them when they're attacking in with monks to get enough to actually trade with the Batter Skull. And then also, then you fit, and then now you just then put the Light and Shadow on there, get cooking, uh, or you just ho- put the Batter Skull into defensive mode until you resolve Nahiri and then tick it up and kill them. Uh, Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, ladies and gentlemen, which is what she gets. That's the the last card in the list that's not on the sidewalks. That just tick up Nahiri for two, uh, tick it here for two turns, and then boom, Emrakul coming in at your face. Give it up smooth, uh, and it's it's a <laughs> full on public enemy. So style. yeah, I mean you could, yeah, so you could play Nahiri as soon as turn two, and then oh turn one, later, I have, you're t- I have played Nahiri oh, okay. on turn one so turn against one lands, and I won that game. Yeah, and then because three turns later, you search your library for Emrakul and put it into play with her ultimate ability. Well, actually, that one took a little more time because uh, I exiled his exploration, and then I proceeded to do that. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> she also does other things in the meantime. Just like, yep. Oh, uh, boy. So, yeah, yeah. No, just, list, the list is also sweet. Huge, too, uh, kinda, you're a prison deck with a new bash to the face. So why don't you uh, run? Oh, uh, let's go over your uh, sideboard. Is so this is the sideboard you had for the tournament. Um, is it kind of a stock sideboard, or how often do you change it? Um, so the sideboard is for Thalia, Garden of Thraben. She comes in versus uh, in versus uh, your Dredge matchups, your Storm, of course. Which turn one Thalia is basically the greatest thing you can do against that deck. Um, Sneak and show, she is an absolute house. Infect, etc. Like it's you bring but one spells when spells matter and it's not against Delver, then you you bring bring in all the Thalia against Delver decks. You think that, but really you actually get a lot more controlling against Delver. Although I do bring in two of them against Grixis. Uh, then you got uh, four sweepers, two Pyroclasm, two Sun Demise. They're helpful against Delver and against uh, Death and Taxes and uh, your. Goblins, if you end up facing it, uh, uh, it's you know, there's just like good good ways to interact with like with, with fair with fair decks, um, and it's a split because each of them have different strengths. Sun demise allows for big alpha strikes, and pyrocl and and just one sided, but pyroclasm allows you to take out things of different colors, which can be a problem like against a deck like Grixis. Uh, and then you have the uh, banishing light package, which you run the two ba- these you run two banishing light, which allows you to get 
uh, bullets, which and your two, uh, well, oh, sorry, you're in line two package. So you run two Banishing Light, which are kind of these catch-all answers, and they're great against equipment. They're they're very good in against random matchups like Eldrazi. They're just good for just general random catch-all weirdness and legacy. What is what's that? What is uh, banish, uh, Banishing Light again? Banishing Light is Oblivion Ring, where Show and Tell can't get you by putting in a land. So what's its actual text? Uh, when it's one white, two colorless. When Banishing Light comes into play, uh, you may exile target op- target permanent and opponent controls. Non-land permanent. Non-land yeah. permanent, yes. It's not Vindicate, sadly. So non-land permanent and opponent controls. So basically why that why run that over Oblivion Ring is just that a good show-and-tell player will, if they know you have the Oblivion, uh, the, the Oblivion Ring in hand, and you have, let's say, one Stoneforge Mystic holding onto a Sword and Fire and Ice, punching them in the face, will show and te- will cast show-and-tell, you will put your Oblivion Ring into play, they will put their uh, Scalding Tarn into play, and suddenly the only legal target is your creature or your big equipment, and you're like, oh, I am a sad human. Whereas that with Banishing Light, it's just like, ah, nope. I guess I just have a permanent to make me survive if you ever cool me. Gotcha. So it's basically Oblivion Ring with a May ability. Yes, it's Oblivion Ring with a May ability. Uh, but essentially Oblivion Ring. And uh, yeah, and then you have Enlightened Tutor to go get those. But more importantly, you get COP Red because uh, Circle Protection Red is... Can, you could literally not lose to Burn if you untap with COP Red into play. Every single thing they can do to damage you... Whether it be creature beats, the triggers off sulfuric vortex, flipping price of progress, you can all just like pay one colorless mana to get rid of. Uh, it's it's an absurd card, and it was printed in alpha. And uh, yeah, I was actually on a long road trip with Noah, and I was originally playing uh, a leyline of sanctity in that slot, and he's like, "Why don't you just play COP Red?" And I was like, "Oh." I should play COP Red. <laughs> uh, and then there's nice. Rest in Peace uh, for get, uh, Graveyard Dex. Alpha COP Boy. Red for that slot? Uh, I originally re- yeah, I originally ran a lot more of them when Rug Delver was around, which, my gosh, Rug Delver was a great matchup back in the day. But there's less and less Goyf, sadly, now. It's beginning to get extinct, which is, you know, uh, sad because I can't prey on it. So now it's uh, a lonely one of... And then there is my spiciest meatball, which is humility, which is the best thing. You resolve humility, and a lot of decks literally can't beat you. They're just, they're dead. And the interaction between humility and Batterskull is absolutely filthy. The interaction between the other equipment is just only slightly less filthy. So you inevitably, you just grind, you grind them down into dust. Uh, other things that have been in here are Trinisphere, but as a cyborg card, it really only factored in against Omnishow, which isn't really a deck that much anymore, and of course Storm, but you had enough cards against Storm as it was. And uh, I played two Elspeth Knight Errant for a long time because I really liked the jump, in, her jumping ability and ability to mess around with board stalls and become a queen once humility was out, but. It was she. She eventually got cut because there wasn't wasn't enough room. Uh, in earlier versions, in addition to Trinisphere, I used to run uh, Source to Plowshares, and it actually wasn't even the worst because even though it's a giant Nambo with Chalice, it's just it's the best removal spell of all time. But that was quickly discarded uh, because again, Nambo is Nambo. Uh, but yeah, no, that's the that's the essential list. Uh, sorry for just talking at you guys. Um, uh, yeah, questions, thoughts, banter, things. 
um yeah i mean the list the list is sweet so how often do you do you change the sideboard do you like metagame at all with it or is it more just like slowly as you go go you make tweaks it's more slowly as i go along i make tweaks uh the deck it i I that's a combination of one i'm kind of a naturally conservative person when it comes with my deck chance uh, deck choices oftentimes it's hard for me to kill my darlings etc um unless I see, like, a really good line. Uh, but it's also because a lot of times, you know, the legacy meta doesn't change a ton. It's not, like, standard or even modern where you can pretty reliably predict what it is. You generally need to know your deck and then come with the tools where you can pretty much face nine decks every given Sunday and have some and have a reasonable plan, plan against them. Uh, if I was to put anything new in there, though, I'm trying to figure out ways to put in uh i'm debating whether or not to put in uh what's its face uh some sulfur elementals because death and taxes kai is a pretty bad matchup but there's also the thought with you know if you put too many slots into your bad matchups then it's you're going to be taking away from your winnable not so good matchups or your matchups where they're fine pre-board but you want to still maintain an edge edge post board but that's what i'm weighing right now uh if I wanted to have a shot against Black Red Reanimator, I would play four Fairy Macabre in the sideboard, but which I was doing at one point, but then I was like, you know what, this is just causing me to shave percentages against Delver, and I'm now losing to Delver, and just like forget about it. just like accept your loss to Black Red Reanimator. It's just too good. It feels bad that you're losing to a combo deck because you normally crush combo decks, but that deck is absurd. Nice. Um, so how'd your, uh, how'd your tournament go? The tournament was, I had a beautiful glimpse of actually being able to set, to come on this cast and, uh, have some, uh, some amount of accomplishment. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, then it was, uh, spitefully taken away from me from, uh, both two people who top aided and then a friend of the cast, Aaron Gazinga, who, uh, set crushed me. Uh, but, uh. One thing is, is that uh, Pernicious Deed is a card, but to start from the beginning, uh, I ended up facing Death and Taxes, worst r- matchup, round one, but it was against a guy who's fairly inexperienced, so I ended up pulling it out in two games. Uh, he kept some questionable lands at hand and didn't and uh, didn't port me once when he should have, and I just was able to run. A, I was able to grind out game one and then run away with the with the with game two. So. I started out 1-0, then I faced a Legacy Bomber Man, which was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a pretty tuned list as well. Uh, this guy was working with Walking Ballistas and uh, Walking Ballistas and Chalice, and uh, and he also made me think that he was on Aldrazi Game 1, because I put down uh, early moon, uh, Magus in the Moon, and then he just shows me a Ancient Tomb, and then a, uh, who's its face, uh, a Cavernous Souls. So I was like, okay, well, this is Eldrazi. Then he scoops, and then I side for Eldrazi. And then we are playing it out, and I'm getting him low on life, and then he proceeds to uh, cycle cast out, and then gra- he already had Walking Ballista to play. Then he plays Oriox Salvagers and just uses the uh, uh, Lion's Eye Diamond to make an infinite amount of mana and infinitely pump the horror that is uh, walking ballista and then kill me with that. Uh, but then I played Chalice on zero game three, and that was that. Uh, 
yeah, because yeah, cause the versatility <laughs> of Chalice it can it can be on can be on zero, it can be on one, it can be on two. Yeah, no, so it's like it's just yeah, it's just the, I pretty much then you know Chalice was on zero, and then I had a a good rabble master hand. So then three, I get paired against. Uh, my buddy Ken from Scholars, and he was playing Grixis Delver. He was on Miracles for a time, so I was expecting Miracles in an easy matchup. And then Grixis Delver, which is like a 55% matchup in my favor, but I have to be playing well, which is actually the thing with the deck. And that this the deck is good, but A, you need to know what's going on in order for you to properly deploy your prison cards and and make it and make your evaluations and play tight and if you don't play tight it's just going to be a mess um fortunately i was playing fairly tight and i ended up uh beating ken over over three games even even though i didn't win game one Uh, i got an early blood moon effect but he was able to in game one but he was able to kill me with a double pyromancer draw and before i would could equip a sort of fire and ice to something and just end the game uh, I had, he kills my Magus of the Moon, and then and the ultimate turn where if I resolve Sivian Spirit Guide, aka the People's Champ, I can equip it up and turn the corner, uh, Force of Will happened, so that was not to be. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, at least you got the satisfaction of him uh, Force of Willing your Simeon Spirit Guide. It's happened, believe me. It's, uh, so it, the, the thing is, is that so, so Simeon Spirit Guide is an incredibly underrated card, and that like folks will be like, "Ha, ah, you're casting Simeon Spirit Guide." But when I'm playing as many equipments as I as I do, uh, a it can become a legitimate threat. Period. And b two Spirit Guides is a five turn clock. It's it's a the it, the damage adds up fast, and you know Gray Ogre isn't played as a legacy card because Gray Ogre isn't efficient. But you know if it's the if a, a card on the battlefield is a card on the battlefield. So I think probably the most basic mistake that early Stompy players make is they disdain casting SSG. It's like no SSG is there to fuel your early explosive starts. Once you have enough lands on the table, you play that sucker out and you start beating in or chump blocking. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, I got this three Oh start now. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Um, and then I get paired up against this weird Grixis control deck, which in the very beginning, I'm thinking he's on storm because I have an early show. He, he thought seizes me, which is not necessarily a storm card, but close enough. And I'm not seeing enough of, uh, and I'm not seeing much of anything else. And he takes my Magus of the moon. So then I do Chalice on one, Chalice on zero, boom, boom. Uh, and then he then he plays the Baleful Strix and turns on he's on Grixis control, and he knocks me out that game. Game two, I slam the Blood Moon, and I wreck his face. And then game three, the combination of Liliana of the Veil and Punishing Fire. He was running this Grixis control deck with Punishing Fire, which is... Normally, I'm good against Punishing Fire decks, but when you have Liliana and Blue Cards Ooh. and uh, and P Fire, it just it overwhelmed me, and he stripped out the equipment I searched out for my hand, and it was it was bad, so it, it threw me in the hole. So I was like, I was three ones, like okay, get a bounce back, and I, then I I wonder if he was on uh, Grixis Thieves. Uh, he was. It was sort of like that the deck that Andy Mog top aided with as well, because this guy also top aided. Uh, there was I didn't see Dak. If I had seen Dak, I would have sided around differently. But uh, he did have a Dak fade, and he had a his Planeswalker suite was it was more like uh, a check pile deck 
with a sweet Planeswalker sweep because it was Dak Faden, one Chandra Torch of Defiance, and uh, and two Jace the Mind Sculptor. So, uh, and I saw that Chandra doing work at the top tables as well. Uh, so, no, it was a. Uh, so then I'm up against Bant Stoneblade. I get an and I get an early. He plays a Deathrite Shaman. I get a Blood Moon down, and I didn't know what exactly he was. I he was on per se, but I still made it. But uh, he and normally that's just like game over for them because even with the Deathrite Shaman, you you have reasonable draws, and it's uh, they're very low percentage to win. But he happened to have the Sword of Fire and Ice in hand, and he equips it to Deathrite Shaman, and uh, he's able to turn the corner with that. Uh, game two, I board as for, I board for check pile. So the check pile matchup is just put in what take out one Magus the Moon, put in one uh, rest put in the one rest in peace, go for it. It's a great matchup. So I'm like, okay, I think this is check pile. It turns out to be Stone Blade, but I managed to beat him because we have a face off where I have played Simeon Spirit Guide and equipped my Batter Skull to it, and he's managed to search out Batter Skull before I got a Moon down. So he has a Leobold, and he has a Leobold in play. So then he has Leobold equipped to Batter Skull, and we're staring it down because I, if he had attacked in, I could have double blocked and killed his Leobold. So it was, it was a, it was a showdown. And then I proceed to top deck the Batter Skull, and I have enough mana to flash in the Batter Skull and equip it to the People's Champ, and then I swing in with a ten ten People's Champ and win that game. Uh, and uh, gave the last game, game three was just uh, it was a it was a slugfest, and I ended up losing losing said slugfest, unfortunately. So I'm in the hole, but I then get my pick me up matchup, which is lands, and uh, I kept a really really sketchy hand against lands, where I thought it was a turn two moon, but it actually was a turn three moon, and it was like a no lander. But he was against lands, and it was still lands, and he didn't have a fast start. So turn three, I slammed the actual Blood Moon, and then he gambles for his Molten Vortex, and he discards it because he has a big... <laughs> he loses the gamble, and then he shuffles up. And then game two, it's uh, I have the ability to go turn two moon as it is, but he plays a... Uh, he, he, he puts down the... He ends up putting down a Tireless Tracker, and so I fetch up Humility and I play it. And then, so he has to use his Crows and Grip on the Humility, and then I proceed to just I, to kill him with a combination of. Uh, with the, then I get Moon into play, and then it's just you know Nahiri and Goblin Rabble Master beats, and I ultimate uh, I ultimate with Nahiri, and he does not have the Crows and Grip to blow up my moon and blow me out. So he loses. Uh, and uh, yeah, then I'm in the position where I can get the 5-2 dignity record. Uh, and since my two two losses were on a on a hot streak, I didn't really think I had the chance to top eight. But I was like, you know what? There's like, I'm not even going to think about it. It's just like, I will be in the top 16 because I was 18th going to the last thing if I win this last round. And sure enough, uh, oh, I lost to... So, oh, I one of the reasons why I ended up losing to the uh, to the Grixis Thieves deck was he had Pernicious Deed. And sure enough, I get paired up against Aaron and his really, really sweet uh, Saltai Landstill deck. And Pernicious Deed is not a card I want to see. And I just got deeded and counterspelled and 
punted in the face right out of the ga- right out of the game both times. It's like it was it was a two outer. It was like boom, boom, boom. But I finished four and three, and I ended up uh, again because my two other opponents were both uh, both made the top eight. I think it, I put me so of the twelve pointers, I was like the third best. So at twenty four, I got my iconic masters packs and I opened them, and there's uh, there's nothing there, sadly. Uh, <laughs> there's, like, there's nothing on, in any of one the packs. Time. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that iconic. Ma- I, I mm. for some reason I thought iconic masters was like eternal masters, where like the value was going to be insane. But no, no. I then was informed afterwards that the only thing I could really hope for was Monodrain. Uh So yeah, no Monodrain. Yeah, I mean there are there's some good mythics in that set. No, I mean it's it basically has the value of a standard set, but at double the cost. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, that was my tournament. Uh, I might go to Abington this weekend. I'm definitely going to be going for my birthday weekend to for the uh, for the Worcester SCG, so folks can see me there and tell me I'm an absolute baddie. Uh, and uh, and and yeah, no, it's but. Uh, that was my tournament, and uh, you know it's a it and it, it could have certainly gone better. It certainly could have gone worse, uh, and uh, yeah, I uh, fortunately lost pernicious deed enforceable. Yeah, me. Nice. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Should we jump into uh, some listener questions? Yeah, we have a good we have a good list of questions here. Um, uh, all right. Well, let's start off with our friend Tom Smiley, who we've yeah. already mentioned today. He, he asked, uh, "Why ruin everyone else's fun, Barra? Why?" Because. Well, it's really enjoyable. I love turn one blood mooning people out of the game and then beating them to death with Grey Ogres. It's a great feeling. Uh, It's a great (laughs) feeling that many people, I think, can attest to as being a lot of fun. Uh, But also, I think it's just because, I mean, this is is my baby. I've been working on it for a while. I'm an advocate for it. It's something which, you know, I show the list to legacy players and they find it to be sweet and interesting. and, And I find it sweet and interesting to play... And, you know, I love going into a tournament and being able to write the fun police explanation point, top mark, and then putting uh, the deck designer name under my name. I mean, there's this Mike Flores article called mm-hmm. The Danger of Cool Plays, which is essentially like, you know, don't make the cool play, make the best play. You know, it's like it's pretty much, you know, like standard Spike Manifesto. And, you know, it's not necessarily wrong, but I play magic to do fun, cool things. And when I get mm-hmm. and you know, yes, could I have more success if I was playing Grixis Delver, definitely. Could I have more success if I was playing a mono-red version of this? I'm not sure. Uh, I feel, I, I'm not necessarily sure, but like the fact of the matter is, if I just copied my friend Matt Kiefer's list or Zach Turgeon's list and went up with it, it was like, yeah, I would, you know, I'd make a top eight, but it wouldn't be with my baby. Whereas is that, you know, when I got to actually win a tournament with my baby, it's like, this was, this is my deck, this is my hard work. And it just feels good to win with something you've made. And I think Smiley can appreciate that because although he's not the only Bant Stoneblade player, I certainly would say that Smiley has put more work into that archetype than most other folks. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's like a, that, that's why I like ruining everybody's fun is because I like to play with a deck <laughs> that is, uh, that, that is mine and, I also just happen to like just like smashing people in the face and then being very pleasant about it afterwards. <laughs> uh, Josh Lucas asks, "What's the jankiest card you've ever played in the deck?" 
Uh, you know, humility might have to be there. I mean, it's, 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 uh, oh, no, kids. Jankiest would be, before I found Nahiri, when I was lost in the wilderness, uh, I was trying to find a tutorable card that would be great against miracles, and I settled upon Hammer of Porphyros. And while it wasn't the worst, I still couldn't win the games against miracles. So I guess Hammer of Porphyros would be the jankiest card that hasn't really done one games for me, but Humility has definitely won many a game for me, where it just comes down and the whole match has changed because of like, oh, how do I deal with this? Um, but I've also lost, yeah. You should try uh, my favorite janky red three drop, uh, Pulse of the Forge. What the hell does Pulse of the Forge do? Uh, so Pulse of the Forge is uh, one red red. Uh, it's from Mirrodin, and it's uh, deal four damage to target player. Uh, then if they have more life than you, return it to your hand. I mean, it's not very good, uh, which I know I shouldn't be saying that because oh, I play it's the, the cards jankiest. I do. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, maybe. Um, all right. Andrew Black asks, what keeps you playing this deck? Uh, and what do you have a favorite moment with the deck? Uh, the favorite moment is probably, uh, well, yeah, in terms of the favorite spiky moment, was definitely would definitely be you know, just like uh, getting the handshake when I when I won the won that tournament. But uh, and there's there's just so many good memories, and probably any memory where I'm winning with an equipped sp- Simeon Spirit Guide. Every time I do that, it's just like this is why I play this deck. <laughs> Every time Simeon Spirit Guide gets equipped up and he's swinging in for the win, it's like. This is why this deck is the greatest thing. Uh, Dave Duckles asks, what are your thoughts on a Johnny Vengeant? Uh, Johnny Vengeance is a cool card. Uh, it doesn't really work in the deck necessarily because it doesn't lock. It doesn't serve as a lock piece, and it's not really a threat, and it certainly doesn't win the game on its own. I mean, if a like you know, you're tapping and uh, ta- randomly tapping permanence isn't isn't going to get there. And Lightning mm-hmm. Helix, if the plus was a Lightning Helix, then I would play all the Johnny uh, Vengeance every day, but that is not yeah. the case. And Armageddon doesn't really do much. But it's a cool card, and you should uh, probably play it in Delver. In Modern. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, uh, Eric Dupuy asks, what are the slots you see as variable for an aggro control combo meta, and what are the trade-offs on those options? Uh, I guess I guess these are in the main deck he's talking about. Like, what are the slots that are, are that are role players? I guess. Uh, I mean, I think so. I mean, for both the side. So, for in terms of like a comrades a main and sideboard thing, uh, the variable slots are what are are the equipment that you're running. So, if I knew for a fact that you know, if True Name Nemesis was banned, I would put Fire and Ice in the sideboard, um, and. You know, maybe that is also even the correct correct uh, play now. Uh, similarly, if I wasn't, if I wanted to just you know go YOLO and just like lose to death and taxes, I would I put Lightning Shadow on the board. Uh, Nihiri, you could trim or omit if you wanted to go to a lower to the ground, more prisony type role. Uh, and Rabble Master is something that you could also also switch out. Uh, I don't think I'd ever switch out the core prison cards. And uh, as for switching out Stoneforge Mystic, I mean, if I want to do, like, a weird build with just, like, going with four Chandra Defiance, maybe, but the the core main deck is, there isn't a ton of, a, a ton of, of room to go over. In terms of sideboard, you 
bring it, you're bringing in the uh, the Thalias for com- for thought for combo. You bring in the sweepers for the lower end decks, and the enlightened tutor package is basically for the bullets. And that's actually where I think you do the most change is how much is how much you you sculpt for the light for what bullets you include for your line tutor how many bullets you put in there and then also uh how much you put into sweepers for a while i was trimming on sweepers but that you really find post board against delver you become a more of a even more of a controlling deck where you use the uh the prison pieces as a way to to cut them off of lines and then you need often need to have sweepers to cut to destroy things that they've left behind, so they just don't kill you once you've locked them out. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Let's see. Next, uh, Ben Boradaka asks, "What's your least favorite thing about the deck?" Uh, my least favorite thing about the deck is uh, probably it's a combination of the death and taxes matchup and how hard it is to play. Uh, it's like. Oh, it's kind of a love-hate thing because I love the difficulty level of it, but sometimes you just really like uh, like the fr- like the free will roll, and uh, yeah, I think that I, I, I think that is like you know some of the it's basically uh, some matchups can can feel can, can feel helpless, uh, which I think if you're playing a force of will deck is not necessarily the case, and just like the level of ener- uh, the level of energy and focus you need to do well with it. I mean. I, I when I've done well with the thing, I've oftentimes been in been in good shape and been very physically active. Like I can literally, well, like I was doing my judo more. So uh, it's it's a deck where like if you if you let yourself and your magic practice go, or if you're not like even necessarily even physically sharp in my case, uh, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't flow as much. All right, uh, Dave Duckles added uh, death and taxes is something that he struggles with as a stompy player in general. And do you have any thoughts or advice on how to deal and uh, with that matchup and what's better in the matchup. So death and taxes, I've bitched a lot about it, but just to go into why it's bad. Uh, so mother of runes is like the level of one thing where if you're an equipment deck, that's trying to win with the power of equipment and the card advantage that gains you, uh, then you, then mother of runes just stops that dead in its tracks. You can block forever and you never get jit counters and you become a sad panda. So there's that. Um, but then why it's then they're also unlike Maverick. Actually, they Blood Moon does nothing against them. So they're a deck where Blood Moon does nothing. So it's a dead guard game one. Uh, and then you also end up having this uh, this card Mother of Runes, which is difficult for you to deal with. And then you also they also have an incredibly effective mono denial plan, which the deck's mono base is robust, but port. In wasteland, but especially port can really hold you off of reaching four mana for your humilities or cutting off a red for your sweepers, and it's uh it's just not necessarily the it's it's just a pretty much hits you on all these different uh, different axes. Uh, as mm-hmm. a stop, so as a stompy player, how I think one should deal with death and taxes aside from dodge is you know you play if you play sulfur elementals they will have a hard time. So if you are, if you can pack a, if you really think you're going to face a lot of death and taxes, you should pack a bunch of the sulfur elementals into your board, along with other hateful cards. Like, uh, you know, I've considered putting in Kozilex Return. I haven't really pulled the mm-hmm. trigger because I don't like be, the Sweepers Armay was for Delver and I like being less weak to days, but Kozilex Return would also be another good way to 
to to deal with that. Um, but yeah, and, and the oh, and the other thing is that in terms of equipment, our reason why I like this deck over the red version is is that Stoneforge Mystic. It's not just a tutoring effect. It's Silvergill Adept, but it's Silvergill Adepts for something that's always live. So you actually mm-hmm. gain a you actually it's a you gain an access to card advantage both from what the so you know, both or at least from card advantage both from what the so, so swords and equipment can do once they're in play, but also for the fact that you are you know you may have to exile a if you exile a card with uh, Chrome Mox Caster Stoneforge Mystic. You're getting Stoneforge Mystic into play, and then you're getting a card out of your, a card out of your deck. So mm-hmm. that's also allows you to grind out a lot of the fair matchups and also the Delver matchups uh, as well. Josh Lucas asks, "What's your toughest matchup, and what's your say easiest matchup?" Toughest matchup is Black Red Reanimator because while Death and Taxes is tough, it's beatable. I mean, you know, if Humility resolves, then bad things happen to them. Uh, you know, like they're also. You know, you there there are equipment draws that work out nicely. If you are able to actually equip the Sword of Light and Shadow, bad things happen. So you know, Death Nexus is hard, but there is a way to beat it. Black Red Reanimator is just so explosive and so strong that you can start off with a turn. I have lost so many times with turn one Chalice, turn one Thalia, and then they literally combo off in the face of it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like everything from the chancellors to their discard to just the fact that they have variant monocosts is just, it's an abysmal, nasty matchup. And the only way you can really beat black red is again, a force of will theoretically, but also, you know, like, and or really dedicated graveyard hate in the form of either Leyline of the void surgicals or uh fairy macabre. Uh, each of them have their weakness, uh, have their strength and weakness. I personally, if I were knew I was going to face a whole room of black red, would just like sleeve up for for fairy macabre and go at it. But it's still a bad matchup, and especially in legacy, I just think that a lot of times you just have to accept that there's just one matchup you're going to lose to. So I accept I will take a loss to black red reanimator unless they happen to stumble, and then you know I can still get a turn two, turn one rest in peace. Uh, fairly reasonably if I'm mulligan for the RIP or the uh, uh, Enlightened Tutor. Josh Merriman has an, kind of an interesting question here I want to pose to you. Of course. Uh, from a, from a, as, as a non-Stompy player, he says, how reliant are you on your opening hands? Do you find like a Chalice or Stompy decks to be? Um, do you think that this deck alleviates some of those weaknesses at all? And how do you fight through poor draws? So, um, I do think it actually alleviates some of the weaknesses of... Of, uh, of of having poor opening hands or mulliganing simply because you have access to uh, card advantage uh, both through the Stoneforge Mystics and through uh, Lia, Fire and Ice drawing your cards. Uh, then there's, uh, in addition, just you know, the practical advantage of like you know not making things deal with the Batter Skull. Uh, then you also mm-hmm. Nihiri also has filtration, so I definitely think that this deck mulligans well. Uh, it, but opening hands are still pretty pretty important, and your mulligan decisions are very important. Your card selection when you're not playing blue is your mulligans. That's what I always say, especially in people like because uh, I'm in standard. I was an aggro player in modern. I play burn, and you know I can. It's like I've actually never registered islands in a constructed tournament um, before, uh, which is probably a weakness. But <laughs> 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 But you know, people say like, oh, you know, like. 
card advantage, etc. Like so much of that is about so much of what you get when you're not sleeping up islands is that you have to know your deck well and you play four ofs, and that's how you know, and that's how you can ensure that you have decent hands. So yeah, I mean, Stompy does need to have a Stompy needs to know what it's looking for. I wouldn't necessarily say it needs to have a good opening hand because you know all of these decks. They run a lot of four ofs. They can mulligan into gas. I've won off of five cards. Plenty of Stompy decks can 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 win off of five cards. But you need mm-hmm. to know what you're looking for. You need to properly identify for the matches. And if you keep a hand against store uh, uh, that's great against storm against uh, let's say death and taxes game two, you're going to get crushed. If you keep a good death and taxes hand against storm, you're going to get crushed. If you don't know how to properly go for it against lands and when to hold back and play more conservatively, you're going to get crushed. And one of the reasons why I like playing this deck, and I think uh, it is that, uh, but I think this goes for any Stompy deck, is that you have to know the matchup and then look for the lock cards and then play them accordingly. Like, yeah, sometimes you just like slam Chalice on one, Blood Moon on uh, turn one, Blood Moon on turn two, Bible Master on turn three, and then you're just running away with the game. But other times you have to be like, right. okay, um, I could do this Chalice turn one, but I'm up against Storm, and I'm on the play, and I can do Blood Moon on turn one, Chalice on zero, and now they pretty much are... They, they, they have to do consecutive rip draws in order to have any right. kind of chance against that, which is even more right. powerful than, again, that classic Chalice on one, Moon on two type start, which a lot of folks would go for. Okay. All right. And, uh, all right. Last question. Tyler uh, Bladica. Bladica? I think, I think that's what it was. Bladica. Uh, what new card would need to be printed to launch your deck to tier one? Assuming you don't think it's already tier one. I mean, it's I, as I said at the beginning cast, Angelic Spirit Guide. Angelic Spirit Guide. <laughs> uh, Chrome Moxes are the necessary evil of the deck. And Angelic Spirit and Simian Spirit Guide is just so much better than Chrome Ox. Um, with the exception that Chrome Ox also does allow you to smooth out your mana. And Angelic Spirit Guide would give me a body. It would... Give me, uh, it would give me an explosive start, and it would fix my mana. It would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, please print Angelic Spirit Guide Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. I will, I will sell my Chromoxin, and then I'll <laughs> be like, "Yep, gone Chromox. Hello, beautiful Angelic Spirit Guide, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you call it like uh, Elspeth returns from the dead." thing i don't know just make something that i can exile for one white and that is remotely castable and will be good <laughs> all right awesome um all right so uh jerry was there anything else you wanted to add before we got into scoops uh no we covered a lot we did they got a lot in today um all right so so barry i know you're you said you're familiar with the cast uh so you know we don't uh we don't do shout outs in the cast we scoop people in the top eight. So who would you like to scoop in the top eight this week? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, but I think the main person I always would scoop into top eight would be my buddy, Matt Kiefer. Uh, he is the person who single-handedly made Abyss spike $100 when he got a, a loving deck tech on his uh, <laughs> <laughs> on his weird Tezzeret Jace the Mind Sculptor for Abyss deck. A few years ago, and he just brews the wackiest, weirdest decks, and 
Uh, yeah, and I, I love him like a brother, and uh, it's one of the sad things about not living, being in Rhode Island regularly anymore is I don't get to see him a lot. So always, always scoop Kiefer in no matter what. Awesome. Um, all right, uh, Jerry, anyone you want to scoop in this week? Yeah, um, I just want to scoop everyone down at Gamey, et cetera. Michelle, uh, the owner, for putting on an awesome tournament. Uh, Judge, I forget. Barry, do you remember? I don't. I don't. I Although so bad. He's a super nice guy. He is a super nice guy. Although the weird thing is that whenever I see him, like, it, I kind of want to ask really like, so he's a, he's a New Zealander who's into nerdy things. And my friend Daniel Gorringe is also a New Zealander who lives in New Zealand who's into nerdy things. And, like, I always want at some point to, like, ask him, do you perhaps randomly know this other person from your country of three and a half million people who did nerdy shit and looks your age because you also look like you remember the 80s? Um, but, uh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Squad scoop all them in. And just, I love tournaments there because it almost feels like a reunion every time we go. Like, Curtis and Ben and... Brent, like we went and grabbed dinner afterwards with like uh, Brent and Ian, just like all these people that you don't really see uh, outside of the uh, the tournament circuit, and it's just awesome hanging out with everyone all, all over again. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, I have a scoop in that I've neglected uh, for a couple weeks. Uh, I finally remembered when I said uh, there was someone I should scoop in, but I forgot. Uh, I wanted to scoop in uh, Stefan uh, for inviting me to. Uh, the Rocky Mountain uh, Magic Group. Uh, so it's like a, yeah, Colorado-based. Uh, I heard they have great oysters. Yes, I'm sure they also have great <laughs> oysters, Pat. What about you, Pat? Uh, so as always, I want to uh, thank Michelle uh, and the crew there for just throwing a great tournament. Also got a chance to meet our friend Connor. Uh, he goes by G Lava Mancer on Twitch. Uh, he's been a, on the Facebook page and all that. Haven't got a chance to meet him at a live tournament, so I actually was able to uh, get out and, and meet him. He was super nice. Um, I got to meet Nick Penn, who I, play, I ended up playing against, but also uh, is a fan of the cast. And just all, all the other awesome people who I got a chance to meet. Um, it was super fun. Had a really great time at Etsy. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be doing something. We're working on a really cool project with them in the near future, so keep your ears out for that. It should be uh, should be pretty sweet. Um, so Barrett, Barrett, do you have a, a, a Twitter page or I know you're on the Facebook page, but anything else you want to kind of plug for your social media stuff? Yeah, yeah, no. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on the Facebook page, so feel free to reach out if you have any questions or want to tell me how I ruined the cast forever and you want to kill me. Um, well don't, don't try my life. But aside from that, no, it's, um, uh, but yeah, feel free to reach out on the book of faces. Uh, I do have a Twitter account at Barrett do now, but most of what I post on is I, I work as a news reporter, so you're going to mostly see news from Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, which is not the most uh, not interesting thing to see. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we, there's actually some excitement that goes on. But uh, but yeah, so that, that's less less magic related, although I'll sometimes tweet out that. But yeah, the Facebook page is the best for that. And uh, also I'm a part of a podcast slash YouTube channel uh, called, well, through Three-Headed Boy, which is this uh, – nerd gaming stuff thing on our best product we make is called the spoiler cast where we talk about video games and movies uh i would de definitely in terms of that stuff i would recommend uh i think our thor ragnarok cast was like was pretty great and uh we're all, and also the one we did uh blade runner 2049 was also something that is a good i think uh 
general overview of what the spoiler cast is about. And in terms of our random video game YouTube videos, uh, we tried playing through Brutal Legend, and I absolutely loved it, even though the controls in that game are are abysmal because the story is great and I'm a giant metalhead. Um, so uh, please go it and give it 100 likes, because then Tristan's going to have to make us start doing it again. So um, make that happen. Make my friend sad. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> But yeah, so so those are the other things that I would uh, point out. And oh, also in terms of scoops, um, uh, I forgot to mention that definitely always scoop in Kyle Souza, who also does at very good events with very good prize support. Um, he does runs Scholars Books Games, and they do Legacy every month. Um, and so yeah, if you have the chance to go down there, uh, definitely may, make your make your way to that. And uh, yeah, I'd also just like to say that, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like the whole legacy community thing, I mean, that's, I, you know, I've loved magic for a very long time and it's been something where, you know, especially since, you know, I oftentimes will like change cities with job, job, my job as a journalist. It's a way to both meet new people and also keep in touch with folks. And just the legacy community is my favorite community in magic by far. It's just like most people are adults. Most people are chill. Um, the level of, Scum doggery cheating seems to be pretty low, at least by by my account. By my account, it's just, and it's just like chill people enjoying their nice nerdy hobby, where you can then talk about stuff and be like, and just yeah, it's it's good stuff. And yeah, definitely scoops and props to Michelle because she runs runs a wonderful store, and there's a reason why 95 people come out on a Saturday to play Legacy there. It's <laughs> yeah, in, absolutely. Also, it's in the middle of flipping Acton, like, and it's like it's not because it's convenient; it's because it's good. Right, right. Awesome. All right. Um, all right. Well, you can find uh, Jerry on Twitter at JMEE3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglow on Twitter. Uh, the stream is twitch.tv slash Pat Uglow. Find us on Patreon and Hipsters. Join the Facebook group. And if you want to email the show, you can email leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. Oh, Jerry, uh, you have good, a data roll? Good news, Pat. I also got us a Jerry, fax you machine. fucking asshole. You just interrupted the whole flow of that outro because you want to make a stupid joke. It's you not dick. a joke. I got us a fax machine. We don't need a fax machine. <laughs> no, if people want to fax us their questions, I'll... Uh, I, I, uh, I actually uh, used a fax machine uh, recently uh, to uh, fax it. <laughs> driving document to new york for the sale of a car it was weird i by work my newspaper has a fax and so i went to brenda the nice receptionist lady I was like brenda please help me learn to use this fax i have no idea of this 1980s technology where second oh edition D wasn't even out when it was relevant um but but there there you there you have it uh, so i rolled a 13 pat uh jasper gardner birch Jerry, how do you think they treat sunburns in Hawaii? Aloha verde oil? Uh, Aloha vera. Uh, That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) That's not bad. I think Jerry gets it by Jeopardy rules right there. That was was way closer (laughs) than any, like, guessing the punchline of a joke you haven't been to me. So Alex Trebek slash Ross Merriam is going to give it to you. Jerry, Jerry does a bad job of, like, doing the... No, what? Do, how how do you treat a sunburn in Hawaii? He guesses the punchline of the joke, which is not the point of me setting up the punchline of the joke, Jerry. God damn it! Uh, are we doing a bit? Is this a bit? <laughs> it's not a bit, Jerry. You're just doing it wrong. Knock knock, Pat. <laughs>
<laughs> I refuse to acknowledge the door. It's a sign of the patriarchy. Is that, oh is that what you wanted? <laughs> Don't even just stop. Bye, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Later, dudes. It was a pleasure. <laughs> see ya. All right. See you guys.